Welcome back to I Represent the 2% with your host, Amos Wellington. I record this episode late in the evening of February 18th, and I want to let you know to my friends and family and my fellow citizens in the state of Texas and anywhere that is weather-worn at the moment, that our thoughts and prayers are with you. Um, This is certainly (laughs) the result of some political shenanigans, but this moment and our response to this moment should not be political. We should not check to see if there's a red or a blue stamp on someone's ballot before we offer them aid, before we make sure that their home is warm tonight and that their children can sleep without their teeth and knees clattering and chattering throughout the evening. Again, I want to offer thoughts and prayers not only to um, the citizens that are struggling, but all of our first responders, our road crews, our public works officials, paramedics, emergency room doctors that are responding to situations, our lines people, our lines men and women that are up there fixing those transformers and cables and all the things that allow me to do what I'm doing right now, which is have light, have heat, have Wi-Fi, um, and have an opportunity to communicate with you. Tonight, I came on with the intent of addressing schools reopening here in California. Um, For the most part, schools have been shut down for the past 11 months. The last full day of class, the last day that I was with a class, was Friday, March 13th, 2020. Is our vision clear yet? We had students all that week. Our attendance was going lower and lower. And I anticipated following the close of the LA Unified School District, the second largest in the nation, the district where I was a student, the district where I was first hired as a teacher and did seven years to begin my career, and the district that has a larger budget than most states in this nation, all right? That district, when the LA Unified School District shut down and my brothers and sisters in UTLA um, were going to be working from home and we were gonna all figure it out at once, I knew it was only a matter of time before we would follow suit. Since then, we've figured out ways to get our students uh, Chromebooks and laptops and Wi-Fi hotspots and we've seen pictures and videos of students that were sitting in McDonald's or Taco Bell 
or any other or Starbucks or someplace like that, a franchise that had free Wi-Fi so that they could do their schoolwork or attend their classes virtually, even while their parents were away at work. As it, as it looks, as it uh, relates to athletics, 38 states, 38 of our 50 states competed in athletics um, in the fall of 2020. Some football, some soccer, some um, cross country, golf, tennis, you know, water polo. There was competition around the nation in the nation's largest state, uh, or, or I'm sorry, one of, the, one of the largest states here, California, 40 million um, population. We haven't thrown a pass. We haven't blocked a punt. We watched football. You know, USC and UCLA had a few games and Stanford had a couple games and um, there was a little bit of football to watch. The Rams played at a beautiful uh, multi-billion dollar new stadium in front of zero fans. The Chargers did as well. Had a, uh, a 500 or just better than record and fired the, fired the black coach, of course, who suffered through <laughs> replacing a legend with a rookie. Uh, and after the team doctor punctured the lung, of the starting black quarterback, it made way for, um, you know, a young man out of Oregon, and he, he did the best he could. Um, no, no slight against him. All right. With all of that said, as we prepare to set out the plan, the template for how we are going to reopen our schools, let me add a little bit of seasoning to this gumbo just a little bit first um, there are around 30 states that have prioritized teachers on their vaccinations list california is not one of them there again like i said if there's if there's between 20 and 30 states that have then there's between 20 and 30 states that have not right so before the state attempts to, or excuse me, before any school district attempts to, you know, say, hey, we're going back to school, you need to, you know, make sure you bang on your legislators and have them get to the governor's office and redirect some resources, redirect some vaccinations, prioritize the teachers so that they have the option of receiving the vaccination for COVID-19. We are still in the midst of the deadliest virus um, that we've seen. It certainly had the greatest impact of anything that I've ever seen in my life here in these United States. Um, the fact that nearly, at the time of this recording, nearly 500,000 Americans have passed away as a result of COVID-19 related illness. We've had, I believe we've had over 30 million um, Americans vaccinated at this point. Of course, we've prioritized the elderly, our um, first responders, our medical community. And that's a wonderful thing. 
they need it and have needed it dealing with um, this insurmountable at times uh, challenge and tidal wave of death this tidal wave of illness and hopelessness at points I know over the course of these last these last 12 13 months our medical community has has held this country together our elected officials many of them have worked tirelessly to try and plan and plot and work around the previous administration to shop from other countries to get masks and gloves and you know figure out a way to get testing done and figure out a way now to get vaccinations out and one of the issues that we know is uh, right now with, uh, with vaccination distribution is the winter storm in the Midwest is slowing transportation right um, one of the vaccines has to be shipped at a super super cool temperature and um, you know it's, it's, a, it's a special process I want to think about and I want us to get all of us thinking about reopening of schools I watched the video of a young lady a teacher I'm not sure what state she was in she had over 20 desks in her classroom each with a clear hard plastic cubicle um, around each desk now they were made to fit into the room there was no social distancing I imagine social distancing is supposed to occur behind the glass um, there was no room however once they once the uh, school personnel had added the glass partitions to the desks there's no room for the teacher to get between those desks rows and columns in case of emergency there is no way for the teacher to communicate over those um, glass partitions with a mask on and a face shield over that most likely so we may have a situation where that particular teacher is returning to a classroom where she is teaching into the screen to students that are actually physically in her classroom if you can follow what I'm saying it's really going to be a difficult situation I am aware that our students are missing connection that they are missing touch that they are missing eye connection that they are missing winks and laughter and giggles and you know hugs and kisses and handshakes and dancing to music and you know we haven't had our bands haven't met our marching bands haven't met we haven't sat together at football games and done all the things that brings us together as a community we've just had a year of pain um, a year of pain 
a year of pain that started with the uh, death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the other families that were on that helicopter en route to the Mamba Center for a youth basketball tournament that faithful Sunday in January 2020. The pain continued as we began to lose our elderly population in nursing homes to this insidious invisible um, virus. We've had so much pain. We started the year with the loss of Kobe. We ended the year with the loss of Officer Sicknick at the attempted coup and the takeover of the Trump terrorists and their attempt to hang Mike Pence, their attempt to kidnap or do worse to other elected officials as they terrorized the halls of Congress. It's a lot of pain, guys. It's a lot of pain. Um, just just yesterday, uh, Amy Cooper, the woman who attempted to strangle her dog as she tried to call the police and weaponize her whiteness against Chris Cooper, no relation, a black man, Harvard-educated bird watcher in New York's Central Park. And because he asked or directed her, whichever way it came out, she said, I am going to call the police and tell them that I'm being threatened by a black man. And she knew she was being recorded. And she also knew that she was putting that man's life at risk, having already watched Ahmaud Arbery be killed in late February. We know that the police are quick to shoot when it comes to blacks after they had killed Breonna Taylor, serving a no-knock warrant at the wrong address, looking for a person who was already in custody. And that very same night, that very same night, that very same Monday, that the video of Amy Cooper came out, while the same, at the same moment that we were dealing with that pain and saying, this is what we've been trying to tell you. That very moment in Minnesota, Big George, Big George Floyd, Stephen Jackson calls him twin and my brother was being snuffed out on the street with his hands cuffed behind his back by four cowardly individuals that worked for the police department there in Minneapolis, Minnesota. All four of them 
cowards hiding behind a badge seeking to kill a man on the street in public being recorded not one of them thought of their training not one of them thought of this man's life his beautiful daughter who we saw after the fact not one of them stopped the other took a moment to say hey hey let's hey that's enough not one of them had the courage to get off of him and get the other officers off of him no they killed him over the course of 8 minutes and 46 seconds for the world to see and the world did see and as the world saw every state in the union had protest marches revolution marches the people rebelled against that level of inhumanity criminality foolishness 18 other countries joined in and had demonstrations just saying one simple phrase you know black lives matter black lives do matter brown lives matter white lives matter every life matters teachers lives matter i can say as a black man who is a citizen of these united states born here bred here many generations here my family has fought in every major war that this country has waged and as a teacher as we prepare to re engage our students in a face to face and physical physique persona to persona manner in a room or on the field in the quad in the library as we begin to exchange again with young people as we begin to look them in their face and let them know that we care about them as we begin to do this we must recognize that teachers have had a hell of a year too since there's only 7% of black teachers since only 7% of teachers are black it is perfectly reasonable perfectly reasonable to say that we need to make sure that our black teachers who have seen more death than arguably anyone else in this last year of the teacher population I'm talking about of the teacher population to make sure that they are all right. I'm talking to administrators now. I'm talking to supervisors and those that want to observe the classroom environment and observe the execution of the lesson and the curriculums. 
Your priority should be the health and welfare of your teaching population as well as your student population. Why? Why do you put the teacher first? Because it's what we would do on an airplane. And it's a great example and a great analogy because on an airplane, parents are flying with their children. Individuals are flying that are leaders, that are, you know, heroes, heroines, and other types of, and other fields. But the flight attendants will let us know at the very outset that before you put the mask on anyone else, to put the mask on yourself first, because you cannot assist anyone else if you cannot breathe. Our flight attendants know the value of a breath. I wish our police officers would know the value of a breath as we recognize that the same LA Unified School District that led that led Southern California in stepping away from the classroom for the safety, for the health and safety of all of our families that are connected to schools. Because see, it's not just about teachers. It's not just teachers and, and school police. There are so many, so many, so many, so many that are connected. Let's let's connect the dots for you. Because we have paraeducators, and if you don't work in education, paraeducators are folks that uh, work at the school site, whether they be custodians, whether they be classroom aides, whether they be school resource officers, I mean, security resource officers, uh, school psychologists, I'm going to put anybody in that category that's not a teacher, okay, paraeducator. And then I'm going to, no disrespect again to our counselors and our school psychologists, everybody's got a title, I'm just putting teachers in one section along with administrators, and I'm going to put everybody else in a paraeducator thing, okay? Because you're not in class with, classroom with, with students like, all day, okay? Thank you. So it isn't just teachers and students, but every one of those students is connected to a family. Every one of those students is connected to a family. Every one of those students has a home environment whether it's a car, whether it's a motel, or whether it's a six-bedroom house with two or three people in each bedroom. It could be a single with a family of five sharing one, you know, one big bedroom and one bathroom. And when that's the case <clears throat> for our for our non-white population, okay, for our non-white population, we are much more likely to have multi-generational households that means baby mom dad grandma granddad uncle right possibly all in the same home or on the same property and so we cannot just throw kids back into a classroom with a teacher without teachers being properly vaccinated to protect not only themselves but their families, 
okay? Yes, the young people are less likely to get COVID-19. They're less likely to have adverse reactions. All of that is true, but they are they are carriers. They can be carriers and they can take it home to their multi-generational household. The less money in the house, the more people in the house. The less money in the house, the more people in the house, the more likelihood that disease and infection is going to be passed around in the house. And we're going to see more death. So please, please miss me with the argument of kids need to be in class. I know they need to be in class. Everybody knows kids need to be in class. We've known since Rockefeller mandated that we have um, you know, kids in class so their parents can be at work. We know this. It's been over 100 years since public school has been compulsory. Right? We've had truancy officers forever. We take, if we, the argument about police on campuses is not new. When I was in junior high school at John Burroughs, John Burroughs, our school police officer was Mr. Williams. Dark skin, black man, gray hair, gray mustache, three-piece suit, shine shoes every day. Get to class on time. Get to class on time. Officer Williams, Mr. Williams, never, never saw him harass students. He was a wonderful man. He was a wonderful example of what a police officer is to be. He was an example. He stood tall. He helped the educational process by encouraging young people to go to class. He helped us out. He gave us mentorship. He spoke life to us. He spoke to us like there was life in us and not like we were little black things, but that we were young men and women on our way to becoming great leaders in this nation. Our teachers do great work. They give of themselves. They give the very best of themselves seven, eight, ten hours a day preparing lessons up late on the weekends, grading late work, checking on their students, checking on your sons and daughters, checking on your neighbors. And for those of you that are listening, they checked on you too. They might have done a great job. They might have done a crappy job. They did the best they could. I hope. I certainly hope. I believe my teachers did the best they could back in the day. I believe my teachers right now, I'm in a program and I believe they're doing the very best they can. I'm doing the best I can as a student. I'm doing the best I can as a teacher and a coach. I'm extending myself every day. I'm taking a deep breath before I get out of my car when I go to practice. I'm taking a deep breath and saying a little prayer before I crack that microphone and turn on that camera every day for class. Because we have to be ready. We have to be ready. Kids don't wanna hear that. They don't wanna hear how it's been a tough year. They don't want to be reminded of it. They know it's been tough. They have social media. They're bombarded with tough all day long. They're writing in their journals about how tough it is. They're making attempts 
to take their own life because of how tough it is. It's tough out there. And because it's tough out there, what we can't do is send them back to the schoolhouse just to make it tougher at home by giving them COVID-19. We've been in isolation 11 months. We need to move intentionally. We've got to stop reacting. Leaders, your job is not to react. Your job is to proact. Your job is to proact. Your job is to make sure that the public health is a priority. Teachers affect the public health mentally, emotionally, physically, culturally. They impact young people, old people. I've had parents chime in in my classroom in the back and said, oh, you're really teaching. And I'm serious about that. I'm not joking in any way. I've had little kids that check in with me every day and wave. They want to come on camera and say, how's my, and I make sure I let them know, how's my little buddy doing today? And I'm going to miss that about the virtual world when we go back. Synchronous, asynchronous, half a class, full class. Don't make me no difference. I'm looking forward to being back in there because that's what I was born to do. I just want to do it safely. I don't want to go to the classroom and bring back anything to my home to make my wife and my children sick. This is Amos Wellington. I represent the 2%. And I hope you will think about teachers and students and educators and paraeducators as you speak to your board members these next few weeks. God bless you.